Hello and welcome to the Fast Break Podcast. This is Amon Kidwai. I am joined by Patrick Martin. We are fresh off of Big East Media Day. Tons to talk about. We are just about two weeks away from the start of UConn basketball season, less than two weeks away from the start of UConn basketball season. And folks, it's something we're very excited about. Preseason Big East media poll came out. The Huskies were picked to finish third in the league, uh, fresh off of being ranked uh, sixth in the AP poll, fourth in Ken Palm, third in the Big East. Uh, It is what it is. Marquette and Creighton ahead of them. Patrick, how you doing? How you feeling? And how about Marquette and Creighton being picked ahead of UConn? That's bait. I'm not I'm not taking that bait because frankly, it's well deserved. Marquette and Creighton are absolute wagons this year. Uh they were wagons last year and they either didn't lose much or in the in the case of Creighton reloaded and actually might be like better in certain areas. So yeah, um those two teams were, you know wire to wire heavyweights and they own you know some in some cases improved um UConn while they had you know a they got all the glory they lost more you know we we are about to realize how important Andre Jackson is we're about to realize in like multiple ways with him letting you know hopefully you know continuing to hit threes in the NBA uh how how, how talented Jordan Hawkins was um we're about to realize that Thomas Sanogo, you know, how easy it was just to throw the ball into the paint and let him get an easy bucket or how easy it was for him to get offensive rebounds. I'm not saying they're going to stink, but three is very fair. And it's also a testament to how sick this season is going to be, especially like in the big East, because you've got four teams in the top 25, three in the top 10. When you, um, when you look at, Marquette five, UConn six, and I think Creighton is, uh, let's see here, Creighton is eight. And then Villanova is down in the 20s. And then even then, you've got St. John's receiving votes, and they're, you know, Rick Pitino's cooking something up evil over there in Queens. Um, Xavier, if they can, you know, Xavier is talented and is having an injury bug, but like you, again, you can't count out Sean Miller. He's reading from the same dark spell book that Rick Pitino is Providence has Bryce Hopkins and Devin Carter. Um, I mean, it's the league is going to be insane. So yeah, I think, you know, as we're going to get into it here and I'm, and I'm ready to kind of start pumping the brakes that it's going to be a incredibly fun season, but the expectations need to be tempered. So I, I really don't want to hear any complaining about third uh, complaining about, Oh, we're not getting enough hype, blah, blah, blah you know college basketball is back baby and you know it's going to be tough sledding for the huskies i think yeah and i mean uh by the same token uconn is getting plenty of respect they were ranked fourth uh in ken palm and sixth in the ap poll nationally Uh, and third in the big east is is a very respectable place to be it's it's a very tough basketball league as as you're saying and explaining the situation is just really weird i guess um you know thinking about it like yukon was unranked going into last year dan hurley was uh he had kind of the appropriate response when asked about it at media day he said it doesn't doesn't mean shit uh and he pointed out that jordan hawkins a future lottery pick was not even on a preseason all big east team so i mean he said you know maybe maybe if i need it on a tuesday in practice i'll bring it up to someone that he wasn't on an all-league team other than that, you know, we've got we've got plenty to work with, plenty to motivate. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's just so interesting for UConn to be sixth, given just how much how much the team lost. You know, we've we've talked about it a lot. Obviously, it's the only thing we think about is how is how is the team going to make up for losing a dynamic shooter in Jordan Hawkins, a dynamic athlete and basketball player in Andre Jackson, and an extremely reliable low post presence and and scorer you know elite uh scorer from the post in in Adama Sinogo how do you replace all of that in one year I think I think in a lot of normal situations a team winning a championship and doing that would not be so highly ranked going into the next season and you know you're returning 
from the starting lineup, Caravan, Tristan Newton. We'll talk about them in a little bit. And Donovan Klingon, of course, which is kind of the, the linchpin to everything. But uh, there's this X factor of the freshmen. So you it's going to be a different kind of season. Just like last year was not some, you know, coronation for UConn. You know, not not a four-month coronation, at least. And uh, so I think it's just I'm 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 expecting a much more rocky season than I was two weeks ago. That's that certainly is where I'm at. And for a team that has this leadership void with Jackson gone, you know, Hurley raved how he's the old school leader. And and first of all, whatever that means, but you but it, it is true. Um, what better way to have something to rally behind than. You're picked third, Donovan Klingon. You're not on first team All Big East. Um, you know the only player that really is getting, I feel like, the proper hype is Stefan Castle, as far as what Big East rookie preseason rookie of the year. Besides that, there's enough. You know, hashtag nobody believes in us that can create leadership out of nowhere and can kind of create some unity because I think, and we're going to get into it later, but one of the biggest question marks around this team is who's, who's leading the huddle, you know, after, uh, after a dumb foul, like who's, you know, calling them in and saying like, Hey, you know, you need to be here. You need to be there, but let's, let's do this. Um, you can say right now that like, Oh, it could be Donovan Klingon, it could be Alex Caravan. It could be Tristan Newton. And everyone is saying the right things. And you can back me up about that on with your media day boots on the ground experience. But when the chips are down, that's an entirely different story. You know, if they go through another stretch, like the January uh, swoon from last year, which if you've listened to our previous podcast, you realize that the schedule is flipped a little bit where that, that is come that, gauntlet is coming later and kind of towards the end of a conference schedule if they're in a similar swoon like that who picks them out of it mm-hmm. um and that's you know and and like you know that's when you gotta love hurley because you know he's taping up all of these quote-unquote lowered expectations around every wall in that locker room uh hopefully you know trying to light a fire under somebody to say hey i got this you know fuck these motherfuckers mm-hmm yeah, I mean, in terms of their motivation, they they have lots to play for. I, I think being the reigning national champs is a great moniker to use and and overuse, frankly, if if you want to. But at the same time, that's a completely different team. Y'all y'all did this team didn't win a national championship. You're not the reigning national championships. Cam Spencer, Stefan Castle, and all you know all these freshmen they're not national champions, and so it's it it's a completely different team. And and then I think. Uh, we discussed this on the podcast and the players and coaches have discussed this as well, which is that they have plenty to play for in terms of winning a big East crown. Hurley said at media day, you know, he was back in there for the first time since their loss to Marquette and it, and it weighs on him. It's an accomplishment worth getting. As we pointed out, they hadn't won a league title uh, regular season since 06, which is a really long time. Uh, for for a program that calls itself good, and I think that's something that when you're a great program, those are the types of of things you pick up. So I think they have plenty to play for. Yeah, in terms of the leadership aspect, it's just going to be something to watch. It's it's you can't you 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 can ask questions about it on on July fifteenth and then October fifteenth, and but like you're saying, it won't it won't know anything until really the games start. I we I tried to ask him a little bit about it with with Donovan Klingon and you know he said it he said he gave me kind of the best example of it that I've ever I've heard because sometimes people talk about leadership and you don't necessarily know what that means. He said, you know, a lot of times Andre Jackson would call me out, call me out in practice, call me out in the game, tell me I needed to be there, needed to do that. And that's what that's like. And I'm not that kind of guy with other players. You can imagine, we all know Donovan Klingon, very gregarious individual. And we all kind of know Alex Caravan and Tristan Newton. Um, and that's not their natural way of being either. I think both are kind of, both of those guys are kind of more lead by example types of individuals. So um, yeah, you know, the character piece of it's going to be an adjustment, but I think as players and, and as athletes, obviously UConn has a, has a ton going for it. That's what makes the season exciting. Um, but 
you know, third third is a good place to be, and it's 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 no big deal. It's the preseason. It's the preseason coaches poll. We we don't need to think too much more about it. It's right. it's a good talking point. Right, and I what in UConn's last four national titles, um, they never made it past the Sweet Sixteen in the seat in the following season, mm-hmm. and so. I would take right now a Big East championship and a Sweet 16 exit, 100%. Ooh, that that sure. would be an awesome season. For sure, I would right? even I would even maybe take a second round exit. Well, let's not get carried away. But, get... but if that means a Big East crown, because like you said, they, they've got number five, but to become this, you know, the way Villanova was, yeah. in the last five or 10 years, it needs to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it can't just, you know, the the narrative out there, you, you can say, you know, five national titles, blah, 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 basketball capital of the world, blah, blah, blah. But you there needs to be some sustainability here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's, that's not to say that, you know, it wasn't like that we're not taking last season for granted or we're not taking these two potential lottery picks for granted. Um, but to, you know, these with, with five national titles comes lofty expectations. And I think the next step for the program isn't necessarily six, but it's sustained excellence, sustained, like always in the mix for the top recruits, always in the top 10 and top 15 in AP polls that has more staying power than I think than an occasional hot run. For sure. And I think, you know, we've talked about this. I think the way Hurley has been building his team and the way he's giving freshman roles and um, still kind of building it mostly organically with a little bit of help from transfers like this year, you know, just one transfer. Uh, I think he, I think it is something that's, that's going to happen. So, you know, exciting to see, but what, what also makes this all really challenging is that teams get better every year. Teams get a lot better every year. So it's not just like, oh, okay, what's their foundation? Okay, their foundation sucks. Uh, We don't even have to think about that school for like two or three years. That is no longer the case. You know, like I think in in a not so distant past, we'd be talking about all these new coaches, Cooley at Georgetown, Patino at St. John's, English at Providence. Obviously, that's a little bit of a different situation, but let's talk about Cooley, Cooley at Georgetown and Patino at St. John's. We'd be saying it's going to take those guys two or three years just to get their, just to get their house in order. Uh, and, and now I don't no. think that's going to be the case at all. And they're already in year one, they're going to punch above their weight for sure. Especially Patino, but I think also Cooley, I think Cooley has a little bit um, lower of a spot to that he's building off of uh, than, than Patino respectfully. And so I think for that reason, that really for only that reason, I, I think um, when you think about Cooley, uh, Ed Cooley and everything he's accomplished at Providence College, and you think about bringing that to a place like Georgetown with all of the resources that it has and the DMV recruiting area, which it has been not so awesome at recruiting generally, which is so embarrassing. But um, you know, there's there's just a lot that can happen there. Maybe in two years, uh, versus versus just one at Georgetown and St. John's. I mean, you know, St. John's. I think he's got something like eight or ten new players. They are, um, you know, they're a team that's expected to be pretty, pretty good in the Big East. And I think, I think it's, uh, I think that's fair. I think they were what fourth, uh, fourth or fifth, fifth in the uh, preseason poll. Yeah, that's, that's well fifth. deserved. Yeah, and, and they're, they're going to be, they're going to be sick. And, it's yeah. and we're, you know, we haven't even spent any space talking about Seton Hall and. Mm-hmm. Shaheen Holloway as a person, you you know, year one, kind of the same way you talked about, like with, you know, they, they, they showed some signs, you know, the same way that you think Ed Cooley at Georgetown will and Patino at St. John's will. Okay. We'll say St. Seton Hall takes the next step. You have Kadari Richmond who, you know, was probably going to drop a 50 burger on UConn at some point this year. Like he always does. Um, in the way that team defends in the way that team you know, already has its culture intact, there, there's no, and, and this isn't, I'm not saying anything new, but there's no days off really, except for DePaul, poor little DePaul. Um, and 
that makes what I said before about sustainability so important because if you do have a couple bad seasons and you you have a couple you miss on a couple recruits and you miss in the transfer window next thing you know there's there's going to be there's someone knocking on the door right behind you you know Creighton Villanova you know Villanova reloaded in the transfer portal uh it, it would not be wise to kind of kick them while they're down uh Marquette is quietly doing what we're talking about right now uh in in the, as far as the process of sustainability so yeah I mean that's why I think this year is so exciting because there is the chance for that this wasn't oh we had a senior laden team and this isn't like oh Ryan Boatwright and a bunch of a bunch of guys running around in 2015 you know Ryan Boatwright and a rusty Rodney Purvis this this ain't it So that's what makes the season exciting. As long as we realize, like you said, it's going to be pretty bumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, um, you know, tons of competitiveness across the league. And um, luckily I think again, UConn's in good shape. They're playing with a lot of confidence. They've got, they've got a lot going for them too. (laughs) Plenty. Um, but you know, not, not to be that guy, but it's just, it's a great league. You, if you love, you love basketball, you love college basketball, the big East is going to offer a lot. I'm going to watch more non Yukon games, uh, that are just like random big East games this year. than I have any of the past five or six years, which join me, brother. It's It's fun. It's fun. They're different. This is different though. You know, like we want to see, I want to watch Georgetown Providence. You know, like I've never felt that way before mm-hmm. in my life where I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm interested in seeing what Seton Hall St. John's might look like. You know, like I, I, yeah, I would check out that game if I was sitting on my couch on a Thursday night. Welcome to the dark side. Yeah. You are, a fi- you're officially a sicko. They're doing yeah. it. No, no. I mean, they're doing it though. I, I, you have to give credit to them. There's, there's good coaches all across the league really truly even sean miller at xavier i think he's i think he's slow playing i think he's being a little i, I think he's being a little uh you know he's like oh yeah we're, we're about sixth um i think that's right um i i think they're gonna be you know they're gonna be a really tough hard hard to beat team and um I mean, if 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 Fremantle and jerome hunter didn't get hurt right. you can make the case that that was going to be five teams in the top 20. I mean, yeah, of course they're going to be in the top 25. Those were two, yeah, you know, oh, rotate, you know, an all conference player and a rotation player, uh, whether they come back, we're not here to speculate, but they brought in some sick transfers. Mm-hmm. The, the dude from um, Western Kentucky. And uh, I think some, somewhere else in the conference USA, um, Sean Miller loves himself, some conference USA guys. And yeah, I mean, there, there's no date. I mean, yeah, Enough. I, I've said I've, yeah. you know, we're going around in circles here. You were boots on the ground at media day. You got to walk the parquet uh, in Madison Square Garden. What yeah. are you hearing? What's the scuttlebutt? Yeah. So, so like I said, you know, had a had a chance to hear from Rick Pitino, which is always a pleasure. He mentioned Shabazz Napier being a key figure in changing his mind about the idea of paying players and. NIL and cost of living stipends and all that stuff that has come out for, for athletes in the last few years. You're you're already falling for the Patino sales pitch. He's so slick. He's so good. No, he's extremely good. Um, But uh, you know, again, he's, he's good radio. He's good radio. He's good television. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's got stories. He's got stories. You know, he's, he's like, I, I watched half of these guys as players. You know, he's talking about the coaches He's like, yeah, I recruited Shaheen. I recruited Sean Miller. I'm like, geez, <laughs> I recruited Sean Miller. But he, and, and Sean Miller did say that. Sean Miller said, I was down to Rick Pitino's Providence and Pittsburgh in my, you know, in my college decision. My dad really wanted me to go to, to Providence and play for Pitino. He's like the he's like the fun uncle of the Big East. It's crazy. That it's he's crazy. got these crazy stories. He has all these weird different connections. Sometimes he'll just disappear and you don't really know what he's doing. Sometimes you don't really want to be him, but you you just can't help but admire him. And I, I feel the exact same way. Yeah, you know, he's it's it's insane how he, uh, he, he has turned that around, you mm-hmm. know. 
and he's you know he kind of has the john calipari thing where he's you know he's like really really honest and in this world of people acting like they're future senators when they're college basketball coaches and players right. you know it's it's incredibly it it's it's exciting it's refreshing it's interesting to talk to i learned about college basketball I, you know again corny as it sounds just just hearing him talk about some of those things and stuff and different people he coached with and all and all that um but again what he's what he has done there is retool the roster immediately and they're going to be competitive i mean they're going to be competitive they they were like a mildly competitive team last year but uh it's it's a big deal for for them to have him for and for him to be in the league and yeah all of all of what we are saying here is that um the league is good teams can get good quickly uh, so after after Patino, I walked up to Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley was saying, I'm comfortable with my decision until you have sat in my seat, until you have sat in my shoes. You don't know what I'm going through. And then he was just talking about like he was using like therapy words. He was like, you know, I'm just all about change. I'm feeling good about this change. Change is good. Change can be good for you. Cooley was loose. Cooley was out there. OK. Yeah. Okay. So Cooley, if you watch, the, I, uh, I can't help but roll my eyes though at some of his, at some of what he said though. Eh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, maybe it was very blunt, but when you, you know, sometimes when you isolate a quote without like the whole paragraph, it just kind of seems a certain way. And if you don't like someone, you might be inclined to really see it a certain way. No, I love Ed Cooley on the record. Yeah. Big Ed but Cooley I, fan. I have, I had, uh, you know, he, he, uh, made some compelling arguments and and again i think it's like really really obvious why you would want to be structurally at a georgetown versus a providence college for a lot of different reasons so i don't think it's like that confusing but he is the first person to ever leave a big east school for another big east school and there is something very very compelling and exciting about that um and again georgetown georgetown can get good relatively soon um but yeah, I mean, I think Cooley, it's 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 definitely not going to be this year. Um, and I think he's he's really about like selling his selling his vision right now. And that's why I think he was he was really well prepared, but but in a way, he he was really good. He just he um he did like a TV announcer style intro on the uh on the live stream with Fanta. Uh so you know, I I think I think Ed Cooley's happy. Uh, he likes DC. Uh, he he likes, I think, the funding mechanisms that he has in place in in DC. I think he likes the uh, proximity to very very good recruits that he has, and the ability to sell a much a much better offer than than before at a program that's won a title that has uh, the most Big East titles. I think it's a it's a good situation for him. Um, after that, I, I visited with Shaheen Holloway. I uh, talked a little bit about some of his expectations. Again, how are you feeling? You guys were picked eighth. He just goes, I'm good, man. I'm good. Like you said, he's got a lot of confidence about how he's how he's doing it. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's year two for him. Uh, but I don't think he's rushing it. I don't think he's like really going for the the heavy transfer uh, way of doing things and um but he's he's a hell of a coach he knows what he's doing and uh after that i went up to hurley i went up to Klingon. I, I i saw the i saw the fellas um you know we i got- heard uh the, the the rumor on the street is that hurley's got some serious swagger he's just stunting on people oh not just not just uh <laughs> with the the pretty sharp looking gray suit, but just mentally stunting on people. You, I mean, how, how could you not, right? You're Dan Hurley. You, you, you won the championship in the way that you did. You, you did it. You did, you placed a wager on three guys that were not, you know, not all stars, not, not tippy top five star recruits. You made it work. He has a really great quote that I shared out on the social somewhere, but it's like, you know, when you, when you win a championship, you're, you get proof on your method. You get, that's not the exact quote, but you know, you're, you get validation on your approach. And he didn't just say that he, he spent three hours acting like it <laughs> and, and uh, good for him, you know, good for him. He, I think uh, he's, you know, he was cracking jokes about Tom Moore. He was, 
He was talking about his decision whether or not to wear his championship ring to the event, saying that he was happy he did not. Um, and, you know, again, recruiting is going well. I, I imagine recruiting for the future is going even better. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't, well, <laughs> not going, not going there. But We're not uh, going to talk about Fooper from Clag. In, in general, you can imagine his recruiting conversations are going better. And and just in general, the respect that you gain from doing what he did, um, it's it's got to be incredible. It's got to be incredibly validating. And, you know, you only have a little bit of time to kind of really relish in it. And this is one of those moments, Big East Media Day. You're getting a lot of questions from people talking to you for the first time since since April, most likely in a lot in a lot of cases for the national national media and other types, uh, you know, media from omaha and providence and whatever that are visiting this is their first time you know hearing from him since then and um you know it's a good it's, he's 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 feeling good he's feeling great but we I think it's a... about him he he's not gonna he's not like this is not rocky three at the beginning he's not gonna get caught up in the fame and the glitz and the glory he's he's out there grinding so I'm well, not that's what i was gonna say is that like i think it's such a potent combination for a coach to be incredibly fiery, but incredibly self-deprecating and self-aware. I think Jim Calhoun had that. You you talk about and honest, this goes back to what we were talking about with Patino and Calipari. Is and now I think Dan Hurley is obviously more more of a fiery character than those two. But if you can be intense and then switch that off and be like goofy. That is so relatable to any age group, any demographic. Uh, it's relatable to other coaches. It's relatable to an analyst. It's relatable to fans. It's relatable to students. Um, and I think he has found that sweet spot with the help of his his wife, Andrea, I think, who kind of constantly is just always I, – I imagine her, her just shitting on him a lot and him just being like, yeah, yeah, you know, what, what can I say? Um so I think that plus when you sprinkle in the validation of last year, I mean, the dude is just, he's just clicking firing on all cylinders. And that's why, you know, the, the dark horse to lead the culture and to and to fill the leadership void for this year could be Hurley himself. If he becomes <laughs> kind of like the sum, uh, you know, the sixth man, <laughs> the sixth man, or, you know, the coach that is, has such the, such personality that you know he's the one you know taking charge i i, I know that's a little ridiculous one candidate like... is uh one candidate that we've been hearing about is cam spencer uh they've been saying how cam spencer right and Dan is he a psychopath similar. potentially yeah so that's that's where we are are getting because what we found out was that after first night uh for those of you who maybe didn't get the full story after at first night uh cam spencer was part of the three-point uh, shootout contest uh, going up against uh, Alex Caravan and Ozzy Fudd. He was on a team, I believe, with Nico Mule. His team lost, and he was apparently just inconsolable. And even even Hurley himself goes, you know, I went up to Cam afterwards, and he's not having any of it. He didn't want to talk to me after he lost. He, he was he's uh, Alex Caravan said he was out shooting after first night that night, uh, taking up taking shots, putting up shots, and in practice the next day he was still mad about it. He was still mad about first night, and Alex Caravan is laughing the entire time talking about it. Um, so yeah, maybe Cam Spencer is potentially that. Wow. that uh, because that's, that's amazing that and and you can't force it you can't force it um and for alex caravan he's a very very serious medical note he's got a wisdom tooth uh situation coming up so he's going to be out for a few days he can't can't be a vocal leader uh so we're going to be really needing someone to step up there uh, i think he'll be just fine for the season in much more serious uh injury <laughs> news uh sorry i'm not gonna laugh anymore uh Donovan Klingen has a foot injury. We do not know the exact specifics of it. Donovan Klingen, by the way, named second team preseason All Big East, Caravan honorable mention. Um, but Klingen, foot injury out for some time. Uh, they have been saying they expect him back for the season opener. Hurley has been a little vague 
about that. You know, they're saying that's the plan. That's the plan. Obviously, we know Klingon is not necessary to be on the floor that night against Northern Arizona on November 6th. So maybe he doesn't. I think we should all prepare ourselves for the possibility that he's not on the floor then. But uh, Klingon's injury, Patrick, how are you uh, feeling and thinking about this? Uh, only operating with the information that we have. I'm trying to look at this, uh, you know, with the glass half full and thinking Samson Johnson, come on down. Yusef Singar, come on down. Especially in the, because that non-conference schedule is either, you know, top 50 Ken Palm teams or a step above the California Penal League. Um, that is a great opportunity to build your depth a little bit. And if that gets Samson Johnson rolling, if, if that gets Yusef Singari, um, you know, confident in a backup role, I'm okay with adjusting non-conference expectations. If that means that Klingon is healthy, refreshed and ready to go for the Big East schedule, it doesn't sound like it's some serious thing. I think he just, I think he had described his injury as like he was rolling hard one time and just kind of heard something weird. That's doesn't, you know, it wasn't like a contact thing. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm not even going to w- wade into that territory, but I'm, I'm not really worried. I think he'll be okay. And I think UConn is talented enough to tread water until he gets back. Um, I just, I, I was watching random clips of their blue white scrimmage and his absence was noticeable as far as spacing is concerned. And I think that's the biggest key is, you know, he has such gravitational pull in the middle, the same way Adama Sonogo did. It freed up all the space for either Andre Jackson to slash Jordan Hawkins to fire away. And without him, no disrespect to UConn's other bigs, but there's just there's not that threat. And so I worry how UConn can handle that when he comes off because as good as Samson Johnson is, I don't think he commands that authority. But with I, I'm Klingon himself, I'm not actually worried. And another note I do have to say is that like everyone was all throwing their hands up in, in angst when he wasn't named first team all big East. But when you look at the other guys, Alexander or Trey Alexander, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Bryce Hopkins, Joel Soriano, and Justin Moore, those are all dudes who have proven starters and done it. And yeah, you know, a, a, as talented as Klingon is, he is still a top five projected pick in the NBA. He still could be an all American you haven't seen it in the minutes. Come on, we can't really be complaining about this. Second team is fine. And if anything, that lights a fire under his ass. And you can say, and he can say in March when he's dominating Ryan Kalkbrenner that, you know, like, oops, told you I am better. But until he actually does it, you, you can't really complain about that. Now, do I think he is he going to do it? Absolutely. But yeah. That's where I'm at with it. I'm I'm not worried, but I am worried about when he kind of like isn't on the court for just right re- the regular game flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look, we 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 spent a long time earlier talking about UConn's expectations and and expecting them to sustain greatness and Klingon being out there playing starters minutes is a major part of why. We believe that if you look at if you're a believer of Klingon's, you know, per 40 stats and and the story that that tells you're saying, oh, my God, what if this guy plays 15 or 20 or 25 minutes a game and and what could happen? And so that's the obvious upside and importance of what we're talking about, just just to underline that. And then as a side note, you know, we could we could really get his. Uh, you know, Amita Brima Coppin State kind of games uh, in the early part of the season, which which will be sad to miss if he has to sit out some of these games. But no, I don't. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't need to see any of well, that. That part, that part aside, I'm I'm concerned because he's very tall. Talking about foot stuff. Uh, not easy, Rex Ryan. Not not that kind of foot stuff. Um, but 
We're talking about a foot injury. You have to be careful. This is very important. He's got a very large structure resting on that foot. And uh, it's something we have seen plague big men in the past. And I think it's one of those things where even when he comes back, you you do have to ease him back into it. And that's where kind of the season schedule comes into play. But yeah, like you said, it's like, all right, we don't, we, we don't need to be at, 100% strength, I guess, uh, you know, for this for this Kansas game, for these MSG games necessarily, if it gives all these other folks some time to develop. Like you're saying, we got to get Samson Johnson important reps now. We got to get Yusuf Singari now. Maybe uh, maybe familiar with the concept that he's going to be in a getting more playing time this year than he thought. And I think the early part of the season is a good time to do that. And then also you're going to have to monitor his minutes. I, I don't, you know, again, without being a doctor, without knowing the severity of this injury, we're talking about a tall guy with a foot injury. You have to be careful. And it is a concern because look, let's, let's not beat around the bush. There's a, he, this guy's hoping to be picked by an NBA team in, in, uh, you know, eight months from now. So uh, he's, he's going to take it. He's going to have to take it extra, extra easy. I really don't want to see him play until Mississippi Valley. Miss the first two games, November 6th, November 11th. Absolutely no need for you. If you can't beat those two teams without your large Connecticut son, then you may as well pack up and, and fold the season in November. Um, I don't want him to make his debut versus Indiana because Indiana is too talented of a team just to kind of throw him out there. Um, but I think you give him 15, 20 minutes in Mississippi Valley on November 14th and then say, and then, and then because you have to, you you can't just keep him on ice and throw him out there. That's how injuries happen is if someone is sitting for a long time and static, and then you're thrown into this elite action and that's how you aggravate something. So give him 15, 20 minutes in that game prior to Indiana see how it is, run all the tests the day after, 48 hours after, 72 hours after, and then I think, knock on wood, um, you throw him out there full throttle against Indiana, and you, and, and you, you take off from there, and you adjust based on how he's feeling. And, and I honestly trust this coaching staff so much, not just Hurley, but Kamani Young, Luke Murray, Tom Moore, I, these guys have been together for forever. They know each other well. I think there's so much of like, you know, we've made mistakes, we've corrected it, we know what to do. And, you know, they really have handled almost every situation. Um, I can't imagine that this group would bottle a bottle, by the way, is an English term for fucking up if, you know, to, to mansplain that. But I can't imagine they would bottle an NBA prospect with all of that knowledge there. So someone has to be saying like, all right, let's be a little bit careful here. Let's, you know, but can't be too careful. I There's enough smart people in the room and that coaching staff that I trust whatever they do. Yeah, I mean, fair, fair point. I think just, again, the the concern is, you know, can, can Klingon be his, his best self? Can he be his best self in January, February? early March, you know, when UConn's trying to, like we said, earn a Big East regular season crown, set itself up nicely with a good NCAA tournament seed, Big East tournament seed, all of that good stuff. I think that's uh, that's the important part. Um, and then, you know, look, talking about the, the improvement of this team, the other guy is, you know, another guy that's a very key factor, and that is Alex Caravan. I think him getting honorable mention is a pretty – solid nod for a guy who was you know he was a starter on last year's team but you could really call him a role player um i think i think he and tristan newton are two guys who are going to really uh help take on the scoring load and for newton that's that's a different you know slightly different way of playing different situation he's going to have castle castle and spencer next to him um so that that's kind of where where we're getting that uh, how we're going to be replacing that right now we've been hearing that you know Castle is the facilitator for all of this he was uh, named the Big East preseason freshman of the year he was also picked for the Jerry West award 
And I think really for Castle, it's about, look, you're, you've got all these dudes around you. Um, you're not going to be asked to be kind of like this one and done, carry us to the promised land, like Carmelo Anthony style situation. Uh, you're, you're joining a really good team. And so, you know, these are all the reasons I think we, we still have lots and lots of confidence in why UConn can be really good. Um, how, how are you feeling about Caravan's uh, upside and ability to make the sophomore leap? Well, remember, I'm on the record as saying I saw a lot of Clay Thompson in Alex Caravan. Nice. So yeah. nobody owns more Alex Caravan stock than me. I, you know, and the shareholders are very pleased with their returns right now. Um, and yeah, I think he is the type of person to take the next step and expand his game and, and be more than a spot up shooter. And we saw that in the, in the NCAA tournament. Um, he, he steadied himself on the defensive end. And I think that gave him confidence to say, I'm not just some specialist out here. That's only here for my shooting. He was crashing the offensive glass. He was attacking. I mean, think about that baseball pass that he made um, in the tournament. I think it was against Arkansas. Um, the the, the skill set is there, and he has now the stage to display it. I think my only worry is if there is one lacking trait, it's shot creation on his own. And when he was playing with the Andre, you know, when he was the fourth or fifth option, that's fine. He can go by the team's fourth or fifth best defender. Can he go by the team's second defender or third defender or someone who is on the court strictly to guard him? Um, because that's the next step that he has to take. Um, and yeah, but I, you know, all signs point to him being able to do that. Remember, he is mature for his age. He's really technically not even a sophomore um, because he had that redshirt um, semester. And I think he's primed to do it, but I wouldn't really expect any type of like, you know, breakout where he all of a sudden, you know, we have this NBA player on our hands. Do I think he's he going to get a crack in the NBA? Yes, but not after this year. He's he's appeared on some mock drafts for for 2024. Uh, so I think it's it's possible. And um, I think it's probably part of why he's got an honorable mention nod. Um because it's not, you know, again, he was, the, like you said, fourth or fifth option on the team last year. Um, you know, interesting guy to have on on the teams, especially considering that someone like Tristan Newton did not make uh, an all-big preseason team. Um, he's someone who I think is in a really interesting situation. He's He is going to be asked to score more. He's going to be asked to facilitate less. Uh, and I think that's a good natural place for him. Uh, so I, I'm excited for that too. I mean, I think it's like a more natural fit for him, better opportunity to get the most out of Tristan Newton. That's, you know, it's, it's all part of the, like, how are we expecting UConn to find pockets of improvement, pockets of filling in what it's, what it's lost. Um, I like Peterman a lot too. I mean, his, his shot is legit. He's a very smart player. He needs to get a little bit stronger defensively, but I mean, they, they say he's the hardest working player on the team, you know, the one in first out last kind of guy. Um, they, they actually are saying that uh, his, his teammates are saying that about him. And we saw that on first night on uh, first night, he won the three point competition. He hit seven of his last eight threes. He has a little bit of a funky three point shooting form, but it's going in. I mean, he was, he was awesome at it last year. I, I think 40% or close to 40% uh, last year. So uh, incredible to think that he can build on that. I think it's an interesting point you bring up about creating your own sh his own shot. I mean, again, though, think about who else is going to be out there on the court with him. You've got Stefan Castle, Tristan Newton, Cam Spencer, uh, and then some of these freshmen who we're going to talk about. But I think well, so. I think we'll that, see. That pivots a little bit into like the, the schematic stuff that that has me worried. And I and I saw a glimpse of this, and you know, just up. Uh, 15 second practice thing, but it did bring up a little bit of like, Hmm. So like, think about if you said it's, he's surrounded with castle and Spencer on the perimeter. Um, Spencer isn't really a blow by you type of guy. So, you know, his defender will be kind of all up on him, but castle is, you know, if there's one knock on castle, it's, he's not a plus shooter. 
yet, yet. Uh, so, you know, defenses will be sagging off him, forcing him to shoot, packing things in a little bit more. And then when you think that Tristan Newton isn't, he he's a, he's a shot creator in the paint. He's not like a pull up jumper type of guy like Jordan Hawkins was. Um, so that, you know, that, these little things of like ball pressure worry me of like things it can get discombobulated a little bit um, if it's not or no in the half court. And again, this, these are first person problems here to talk about. I'm not, you know, dragging the team at all. I'm saying like when you start to see an offense that, you know, goes on a, you know, a five minute scoring drought, these are the, will be the reasons why. Um, you know, we love Tristan Newton, but we know what we're going to get from him. He's going to fill it up. He's going to be whatever the team needs. Um, but my worry is that sometimes he might have, you know, too much on his plate and not have an Andre Jackson to bail him out, not have a Jordan Hawkins to bail him out. Uh, there will be games where Caribbean does, does it Stefan Castle does it, but the consistency won't be there necessarily. I think. Yeah, it's definitely going to take some time to figure figure things out. And then again, uh, Klingon's injury situation, a little bit of a complicating matter. Any other injury situation that may occur, of course, would complicate that as well. And then the fact that you're depending on a lot of brand new players. Uh, one of those players is Castle, who we've, who we've talked about. But I think another really big piece of this is that they're expecting a lot from a few other freshmen. Now we discussed this before. It's a really interesting idea to bring in someone really talented and give them a small role. Uh, and it's, it's almost like taking what Hurley did with Donovan Klingon and, and applying it across multiple spaces on, on the roster there. But I think that's exactly what, what he's done with uh, Jalen Stewart, solo ball and, and Jaden Ross. I think those, those three guys are, not to not to generalize about all of them. I think Ross and Stewart are kind of more wings, wing type players, and then Ball is a is a guard. But just in general, they are they are versatile, depth off the bench. They are athletic, energy guys, um, and then they bring you know a couple of things slightly different to the table. Solo Ball, we have an article on the fast break that you all should check out. Dan Hurley called him a very serious individual. He said he's he's taking himself seriously. He's here to play ball. He's not just walking around campus, um, which, you know, it's fine if you want to walk around campus, but is he scootering? Is he <laughs> floating? No, he's, he's just in the film room and in the practice facility. Um, okay. No, I don't, I don't, I think he just means he's taking himself seriously. He's not, he's not, you know, he's not a typical freshman attitudinally. And I, and I do get the sense that a lot of these guys are that way. And, and it's like something that we discussed where it's like, it's not just, Oh, come in here pay your dues in practice and maybe you'll play in some distant future uh, for we are so great. And that's how you must do it. It's you have a role on this team. And I think that's motivating for all of them. Uh, for Ross, he said he's going to play the two, the three, and even some four. Uh, he's working on getting stronger solo ball and Jalen Stewart, I think are both really good shooters uh, and both really good dunkers. Um and that is all exciting stuff. We talked about ball a little bit on the last podcast. Um, but again, I think I think we're going to get a lot from Ross and Stewart as well. That's why we're excited about this team. Uh, so, right. Yeah, I think there are going to be times this year where UConn Twitter is just buzzing because there are certain plays where, you know, solo ball locks somebody up. There's a there's a Jaden Ross to to solo ball alley-oop Jalen Stewart hits three threes coming off the bench. Um, there is, there are going to be so many of those glimpses and flashes where you're looking like, Holy shit, look at what we have here. But they're also freshmen. They're going to be deer in the headlights many times. First time they play Indiana or first time they play Texas. Um, and they're, they're just used to practicing against their teammates. It's, you know, nothing can prepare them for that. Um, so I think that there will be glimpses. The problem is that, like, the depth last year had that same type of, like, specialist with, like, Calcaterra and Hassan Diara is, like, um, you know, Nahim Aline 
and everybody. Um, one, there's no Donovan Klingon anchoring things in the middle. And two, those guys were all veterans. Joey Calcaterra was a thousand point scorer. Nahimaline was a three year starter at Vatech. So those guys had more consistency to them. Do I think these this current team has like those guys will be better player college players down the road? Yes, but they're not there yet. Um, so it's like who amongst that five kind of like hangs back and keeps things on an even keel. What, what I'm going to be fascinated to see. It's the coaching staff has so much to work with because, like you said, you got Jalen Stewart can play play the four, play the three, maybe even a little bit of two. Um, you mentioned Ross, I mean, solo ball, imagine solo ball and Hassan Diara guarding, you know, you know, picking up full court. If you know, you want to run and maybe put like, I don't know. I mean, the, the options are endless. We can go about those later. I think it's going to be a very exciting bench, but with just crazy, crazy variants mm-hmm. and enough, like, you know, think about how Jordan Hawkins was, his freshman year. Now, granted, he had a lot of injuries, but like you clearly saw the glimpses. You're like, oh, this guy is going to be sick. He just needs the time. He put the time in and there it was. I think you're going to see the same type of, oh, they're going to be so sick. Yeah, okay. But like, they're not really going to be like, you know, go-to guys right away. Besides Castle, of course, who mm-hmm. is just an absolute stud from what I've heard. Yeah, I mean, you know, sky's the limit for Castle. Nothing much more we can say about that. And and just in general, you know, super, super exciting season in store for UConn. Uh, if you're, if again, if you're a fan of basketball, there's going to be a lot to watch, a lot to keep an eye on. And uh, yeah, look, end of the day, uh, I think my big takeaway is uh, UConn is good. Things are exciting, but it's going to be really tough sledding in the league. The league has improved and everyone has improved. The nature of college sports has changed so that all teams can improve a lot year over year. Uh, so we'll just see what happens. A uh, few quick updates on Huskies in the NBA. Rudy Gay was cut by the Warriors. That's my hand up there. I said, oh, that's come on. That's unlikely to happen. What are you going to do? Sign Rudy Gay and then cut him? And they did. Uh, James Booknight, is going to be out for a while with a meniscus injury. That's uh, not great for uh, him. We hope for a smooth recovery. Adama Sonogo makes the Chicago Bulls opening day roster. That's incredible. Adama Sonogo could not be happening to a better person. Jordan Hawkins hits his first NBA basket, a three-pointer on the New Orleans Pelicans. Patrick, any thoughts on the Huskies in the NBA? Andre Jackson's first game for the Bucks is tonight. Uh, he has already created a, you know, a, a highlight book for, you know, from the preseason and during the summer league, especially with that Damian Lillard trade where the Bucks essentially sacrifice their depth. He's going to get some serious minutes and he's going to do some shit that is going to put UConn on the map this year in the NBA. And I want apologies from everybody that said that he wasn't going to be an NBA player because he just you know, you watch the videos, you watch the highlights. He looks like an NBA player. Um, so I'm going to be coming for some serious Andre Jackson receipts this year. Drew Timmy was Thank you all for listening.